0: Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. Welcome, everybody, to The Porch once again. Uh, My name is Greg. If if you didn't catch that, I'm the worship pastor here. And I'm so thrilled to be on this stage in a different capacity this morning. Uh, You've known me for the past two years as your worship pastor, and so you'll hear me from behind a guitar or a microphone in that manner, Um, but many of you may not know that when I stepped into the position as the worship pastor here, it was supposed to be just for a season. It was an interim position, and I was supposed to be a placeholder for whoever came next, but through the series of events, two months turned into two years, and here we are. (laughs) Uh, I'm thrilled to be here, really, I am, and uh, you you may not know that when I started here uh, leading worship, I was pastoring a church as a lead pastor, and I was church planting, trying to get a new church launched, and we were meeting here on Sunday nights at the porch, and that's how I met Nate and some of the other guys. And while doing that job, I also worked probably 12 to 15 other jobs, Uh, and if you've ever been a part of a church plant, you know that it's hard to get things going, and I, I found a job as a, a substitute teacher in the Cherry Creek School District. I've probably taught many of your kids at, at different times throughout the school year, uh, and that was about the same time that I started leading worship here, and things for me have shifted over the past couple of months as our church decided to shut down recently, and so I guess I'm in a season of transition, but that's a, that's a whole different story, but for now, status quo is good. I'm happy to be here part-time leading worship, and I work here in the office on Mondays, and I've I've uh, been a, doing a bit of defining my role here as the worship pastor, and, and I've been enjoying it, and I've been joining being with all of you. But I say all that to, to let you know that I really do have a passion for preaching, but I'm a little bit out of practice, uh, so give me some grace this morning. Uh, everybody say, I'm going to give Greg some grace. There you go. Thank you very much. Well, Will is out of town, and while he's away, he thought it would be appropriate for another parent to get up and and speak to you about parenting, uh, because the last thing you want is, a, is someone who's not a parent tell you how to parent your child. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. I think I'm right. <laughs> I mean, you're not agreeing with me, so maybe I'm not right. <laughs> but, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but over the past five weeks, uh, I've been learning a lot about parenting in this Parenting series. Raise your hand if you've learned something new that you're putting into practice, and, and maybe you're trying something new and it's not working so much. Well, I guess there's more to try because when you became a parent, there wasn't an instruction manual. So you're writing it as you go along as a parent. Amen? So I've learned a lot, and if you've missed a couple of those messages, I encourage you to go to our website, the uh, visit our YouTube channel, listen to our podcast. Hopefully, we've made it easy for you to catch up on things that you may have missed. And these are things that you can share with your friends who are parents as well. And, uh, and this is not to exclude any of you that aren't parents, uh, but this is kind of the season that we're in. Uh, and he's done a terrific job of taking us through the stages of parenting. We'll put them up on the screen uh, one more time. But we've looked at some of Dr. Seuss's stories. And the first week we looked at all oh, the places you'll go. And we s- kind of saw that it's better to focus on who your kids will be rather than where they are going to end up. And we've looked at Yertle the Turtle. We've noticed that there's a little King yertle in the heart of every child. And uh, that stage is primarily focused on the words no and the dreaded four-letter word. You can say it with me. Mine. Uh, you were thinking another four-letter word. I caught you. you? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> but really, I don't think that kids ever grow out of that stage of mine and, and no. And, and that's why we enter the discipline years where we have to help them along with that and no matter how you discipline whether it's timeouts or spankings we're not here to judge that or tell you what to do in regards to that but we entered this discipline stage with this story what pet should i get and we're trying to teach kids how to pick and stick and and really the goal there was not to raise good kids but to raise responsible adults right and then we continued on with the series and we were looking at the coaching years with mulberry street and remembering that you're not in the game anymore as a parent, you're helping them along from the sidelines. And then the friendship years was last week with Fidwick. For me as a parent of a five-year-old and two eight-year-olds, I, I kind of feel sometimes that the, the coaching years and the friendship years are way far off. But as I've been told, if I blink, they're going to be here before you know it, right? And some of the older parents will say amen to that. And by the way, you know, I, I come from a church, a denomination that uh, we're, we're more vocal and so I, I appreciate a good amen or oh me or that's good preacher, preach on. Hey, get it, get, you know, whatever you want to say there, it's okay. Um, and and even if you have crying children, that's fine as well. At least they're saying something in church. They're involved. So we come to today where uh, I'd really like to talk to you about leaving a legacy as we wrap up this series. And so it's maybe not so much centered around parenting, but uh, a legacy is something I believe that everyone has to give. And so I showed you these 15 sayings of Dr. Seuss, because in a lot of ways, our lives are are kind of summed up by sayings. Uh, And we hear sayings that stick with us all of our lives, and sometimes those sayings that stick with us shape us. Try to say that 15 times fast. The sayings that stick with us often Shape us. And how many of you remember some of the clichés that mom and dad or grandma and grandpa would often say? Perhaps one-liners that were passed down among the generations or something that they saw in a movie or, or even uh, a Dr. Seuss saying that stuck? Here's a classic. You'll shoot your eye out. You remember what movie that's from? Yeah, gold star for everybody. Way to go, guys. Uh, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, something my mom always taught me. Uh, or when you're eating your dinner and you don't want to finish your vegetables, what did mom say? Kids in Africa are starving. And then what I say back? Well, let's pack it up and ship it to them. Of course, I never actually said that fear of getting my mouth slapped, all right? smack across the face. But I wish that we could have done that. And uh, I, I just kind of got into the habit of eating everything on my plate. And then I blamed my grandmother for me becoming a chubby middle school kid. You told me to clear my plate, grandma. Kids are making fun of me. That's not cool. Really, the reason they didn't want us to make to waste food was this next one. Money doesn't grow on trees. You got it. Here's one you swore you never used because I said so. You swore you never used that one. Why are you using that phrase? Don't make that face, it'll stick that way. Were you raised in a barn? Close the door. Stop crying before I give you something to (laughs) you guys are with me. I'll wash your mouth out with soap. Okay, parents, let's, a moment of honesty here. Have you done that? Have you watched your kids? Yes. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Soap, man. Here's another one. Boy, when I was your age, I had to walk 10 miles to school, uphill, both ways, in the snow, with bricks in my backpack, hopping on one leg, blindfolded and barefoot. You guys didn't say that one, did you? I, I added those. I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out. You'll understand when you're a parent, I hope you have one just like you. <laughs> if you are that one, don't make me pull this car over. <laughs> turn around right here. Have you found yourself saying some of these sayings or being said those to inevitably and perhaps inadvertently, we kind of turn into our parents, don't we? I mean, there's a natural inclination for us to not want to do that, but we notice the things, you know, that we... that. They did when we were younger, those things that scarred us or perhaps uh, left us needing therapy. And we make this promise to ourselves, we're never going to do that. I'm never going to say that. I'm never going to become like my dad. And as we get older, at least for me, we often see the error of our ways as a kid, as a teenager. Perhaps we see the other side of the coin, as Will mentioned last week. And and we we get a better understanding of what it's like to be a parent, and then we become our parents. So for me, I, I see and understand now that, that kids can be the greatest source of joy and simultaneously the greatest source of frustration that you will ever have. It's hard being a parent, right? Like I said earlier, there's, there was no instruction manual that you could read. There was no parenting for dummies book that came when your kid got popped out, right? And often, because it's so hard, we get down on ourselves, right? Because, I mean, you're not the perfect parent. You're not making the perfect Dinner, you're not having the perfect kids because all of you see this on your Facebook feed, those kids that are perfectly positioned in their seats and they're not throwing food like it does at your house. And you wonder, for you, where it all went wrong. Well, let me, I like to call Facebook facade book uh, because really that's all you see. You all, all you see is the highlight reel of everyone's life and so... Here's a freebie here, don't compare yourself to your Facebook feed and your Facebook friends and the way that they parent because they're showing you the highlight reel. If parenting were more like a reality TV series, you would get the picture, right? You would see all the yelling, you would, you would have a GoPro attached to every mom's head when the kids are throwing food and spitting up and, and explosive diarrhea, I mean, you get it, Right? But my hope is for you that, that today that you might come to a realization that it's never too late to make a shift. It's never too late to be a better parent. It's never too late to break those bad habits. It's never too late to yell less, to hug more, to extend the bedtime stories because your kids grow up way too fast. See, you can, you can focus on your setbacks as a parent or you can focus on your comeback. You can focus on your setback. You can focus on your comeback. This is where you all say amen. Let me try again. You can focus on your setbacks or you can focus on your comeback. Amen. Amen. There you are. You're with me. I've had my fair share of setbacks in life and, and quite a few setbacks as a dad. Many of them I won't share with you because you'd see me differently and maybe the facade would be broken. The curtain would be torn down, if it were. Uh, but as a dad, there, there were times when I didn't do the right thing. There were times that I, that I just plain missed it. I remember my, my son Jackson, he was about two or three years old, and uh, we just bought our house. We hadn't lived there that long. And uh, I was in a basement. I was cleaning up with my other sons, Jace and, uh, and Josiah. We had the music on, and we had the vacuum running, and I was trying to teach them about order and keeping things clean, and they were five or six at the time and, and somehow my two or three year old ended up being able to open the garage door, the garage was already open and he was out there wondering and then he eventually made it to the streets and cars going by and it's not a busy street but uh, my son Jace comes running downstairs daddy, daddy, Jackson's talking to some man and I'm thinking, what happens? Who's this man he's talking to? Who's supposed to be watching him? Oh, that's, that's me um, and, I, and I run up the stairs and I'm like going on and I see one of my neighbors who I hadn't met yet he's on the phone with the police and he's trying to find this kid's dad and my kid at the time couldn't say that's my house hey man don't worry about anything my dad's just downstairs cleaning up if only he could just read my kid's mind but my kid was almost yeah I don't know if I was going to end up in jail or what was going to happen there uh but I I knew that something went wrong there and I I thought man that I went into like a little bit of a depression. I was mad at myself. I'm like, why? how could I let this happen to my kid? What would have happened if my neighbor hadn't shown up? And, And you start getting down on yourself. And I knew that for me, I could do better. So I installed a chime on the, the garage door so that whenever it opened, you could hear this blaring sound in the basement. And for about two years, every time the garage door opened, whoever was in the basement got an ear full of chimes and all kinds of different things. But, but, but I say that to, to let you know that I didn't focus on the setback. I mean, I did for a moment, but then I focused on the, the comeback. And we haven't lost him since. We haven't had the cops called on us, for, for him at least, since. The point is this, that you can recover from any obstacle that the devil throws your way when it comes to parenting. And and from now on, you can make a quality decision to leave a legacy that lasts. So let's dive into legacy here. I told you I was going to talk about this. And honestly, I've been thinking a lot about this word legacy lately. And legacy isn't something you necessarily think about when you're a teenager, especially when you're a kid. You don't even know what the word means, or perhaps you don't even think about it when you get married or when you become a parent, but when you get older, you begin to think more about what you're going to leave behind for the next generation. Now, I've had the opportunity for the last four years to officiate funerals for a funeral home here in town. They have seven locations, and they often call me when they have a family that didn't go to church or isn't very religious, but they want a pastor to help them through the service or celebration of life, and as I've been doing that I I find myself asking questions to get to know the family member, and I I tend to focus on legacy. What did they leave behind? What did they pass on to you that you carry on now and that you intend to pass on? And I get in this mindset mindset every time that, that I'm doing a funeral. I just did one yesterday, and I begin to think about what would people say about me when I'm gone? What would people remember about me? And often think how I will be remembered. And that really is what legacy boils down to. That legacy is leaving your impression or mark on this world. It's, it's what you leave behind or pass on to those who come after you. And legacy isn't the same as inheritance. It's not what you leave after you're gone per se. It's, it's not just something that's transferred after you're deceased. Legacy is ongoing. You continue to leave a legacy. I was at a... At a school for their senior continuation, they had their seniors come back and, and share with the, uh, the classes that were coming behind them. And they began to talk about legacy as, as 18, 19-year-old kids. What are we leaving behind for our school? So legacy and, and influence go hand in hand. When you increase your influence, your legacy is enlarged. Somebody once said it this way. A man's legacy is known not from the number of years he has lived but from the life he has lived in those years. So you don't have to be 60, 70, 80 to live to leave a legacy. Your legacy is what you leave with the life that you live. And so what I believe on some level, I believe that every single one of us, we want our lives to count for something on some level, right? We want, we want our lives to matter. We want what we do to matter. And whether you feel like you're destined for greatness, like you want to be the next Steve Jobs or LeBron James or Bill Gates or Michael Jordan or Harriet Tubman or Albert Einstein or the great Teddy Roosevelt or Shakespeare or Martin Luther King Jr., or you want to be the next Dr. Seuss to have a name that goes down in history. Or maybe you, you're just trying to get through your work week without cussing out your boss, you know, like seriously, or quitting your job or hurting the people that you care the most about. And wherever you fit on that spectrum, my guess is that deep down, you want your life to matter, that you want your life to count for something. You want to make a difference, whether for your kids or, or your coworkers or the people that you interact with on a daily basis. And whether you want to or not, you will leave a legacy. The legacy that you leave, though, is up to you. Proverbs 22 begins with this saying in verse 1 A good name is more desirable than great riches, to be esteemed better than silver or gold. And maybe you thought life was about making it rich, you know, the, the American dream, the, the wife, the kids, the uh, 2.2 kids, you know, I mean, how does that even possible? The white picket. Maybe you thought it was about gaining great wealth, but Proverbs says it differently. The sentiment is that having a good name, and he's not talking about the spelling of your name, the phonetics of your name, whether you spell Jackson with a CK or an X like we do for our son. But, but he's talking about that reputable part of who you are, of, of how people will remember you, that being someone to be esteemed, to be thought of highly or, or fondly in great regard is much better than winning the lottery. It's much better than striking it rich. And that's why it's important For us to personally desire to leave a legacy for our kids. Because our kids, in fact, are our legacy. And our kids carry our name, right? Literally, they have our name. And no one wants their good name to be dragged through the mud. Whether through false accusation, wrong motives, mistakes. A series of bad decisions or choices that your kids have made. They can't seem to get out of. We all want our names to be carried on. To be held in High esteem. And how you will be remembered and thought of and talked about when you're gone is your lasting legacy. So, here's the thing that I'd like for you to rem- remember, write down for today, and the bullets in there. You have a blank that you can fill in, just like school. There's one major statement that will frame everything that we're talking about today. And perhaps the Holy Spirit's going to uh, give you some, some other insights or things that you can write down, little gold nuggets to take with you. But this is what I want you to remember. To live a life that lasts, look through the lens of legacy. To live a life that lasts, look through the lens of legacy. You gotta say that with me. To live a life that lasts, look through the lens of legacy. You can do better. Let's have some gusto. too. To live a life that lasts, look through the lens of legacy. Yes, yes. Well, What I want you to see here is that we all have some type of lens that we're looking through. That we see our lives through. For some of us, it's the ever-elusive lens of comparison. You know the, that lens, right? The, that we see our quality of life and we compare it with everyone and everything around us that will never be quite good enough. And especially if you continue to look through the lens of comparison, you'll never make it. You'll never have what the Joneses have. <laughs> the grass will always be greener on the other side. For others, you look through the lens of regrets. And, and you think about, oh, if only I'd said this, if only I'd done this, I should have, I should have, I should have. And if we're not careful, you could shut all over yourself. Joke. Really, you know, we need to look through the lens of legacy. That's, that's the lens that we need to be looking at. And what I mean is that you need to weigh your decisions, weigh your words, weigh your actions, weigh your thoughts through the lens of legacy. You need to be thinking, how will I be remembered? Now, this is not the same as placing high priority on what other people think. They're quite the opposite. I mean, caring too much of what people think about you will only lead you to become something that you're not. And that's not what you want, right? I mean, looking through the lens of legacy means that you'll become more of who you are and, more importantly, who God created you to be. You're not going to be focused on the, the Joneses' call or that guy's call over there or what they have or what God's gifted with them with or what they have been able to do with their lives. You'll be looking at yourself and who has God created to me, be, me to be and how can I pass that along? Think for a moment about the legacy that you've received from those that have come before you. Was it, was it one of being kind? Was it one of overcoming adversities or, or facing battles with courage? Was it one of patriotism? Was it one of a, of a love of music? That's the one that I got passed down to me. My grandpa was a, was a musician, musician. My dad was a musician. He tried to teach me guitar when I was 12, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But as I got older, I, I realized that was something that was, uh, that was going to be passed down to my family. And now I have my kids learning piano and, and playing with, with Mr. Bill, who just shredded it up here today. Was, was your legacy one of sports or the, or the arts? I mean, who taught you to become who you are? Was it your parents? Was it your coaches? Your grandparents? Your teachers? Was it your pastors? Was it your mentors? Your supervisors? Your coworkers, Even friends? I mean, each of those people have had a level of influence over you and have taught you something along your journey in life. And so you, in turn, you have a level of influence over the people around you. It is said that that each person will have influence over at least 150 people at any given time in their life, at one point in time. And so if you have a church of 80, you do the math, you have a church of 80 times 150 because of the level of influence that your church can have on those around you. So my, my guess is that the people that influenced you, none of them were perfect. None of them had it all together. None of them always said the right thing or always did the right thing. Because if they did, you probably never learned how to say I'm sorry or the art of forgiveness. That's an important lesson. As Sue said, be who you are. <laughs> say what you feel. Because those who mind don't matter. Those who matter don't mind. So take that influence that you have and use it for good. Here's the thing though, we've been talking about parenting and and for parents, your number one influence, your number one responsibility is for your children. And we're going to stay with the theme here, we're going to look at some of Dr. Seuss, we're going to look at some of Solomon, but I want to start with some wisdom from Moses. And uh, Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, known to some as the Torah, and in the book of Deuteronomy, you can go ahead and turn over there, Uh, it's on page 84, he writes what is known as the Shema. And the Shema means hear or listen. Essentially, he's saying pay attention. What you're going to hear is going to rock your world, right? I mean, I don't think Moses used those terms per se. But he's saying listen up. This is going to change your life. So I want us to look at verses 4 through 12 here. On page 84 in your Bibles here, if you need one of these Bibles, you can just slip your hands right up, and one of our ushers will make sure you have a copy of this and... If you don't have a Bible, please take this home as our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word because it will change your life. So if you need one, you can just slip your hand up. You can take it with you or you can leave it on your seat when you're done. So page 84, you can turn on over there, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's read this together. Follow along as I read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you to the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. There's such rich language here. I mean, Jesus even quotes this portion of Scripture in Matthew 22 and other places where the rich young ruler comes and asks him, Lord, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus told him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is where that comes from, that phrase, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He gives the most important command as the beginning of the Shema, the call to listen. And listen good because what I'm about to tell you should be the hallmark of your life. He says these commandments are to be essentially written on your hearts. They should be ingrained in everything that you are. They could, should encompass your very being. And then he says, It's not just for you. It's not just for you to take it and take it to your grave and hold on to it. He says, It impressed them on your children. It's meant to be passed down to your kids. And so, how, how do we do that? Well, good thing Moses gave us the answer. He, he even preemptively gives the process for teaching this pivotal command to our kids talk about them. Talk about them. He says, When you sit, at home when you're on the road when you lie down when you get up talk about them he says put them in places where you're gonna see them make them symbols on your heads bind them on your forehead write it on the door frames and the gates of your houses he's basically saying make it visible I mean, Moses probably knew the old phrase out of sight out of mind and he said no 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 let's keep this in sight let's keep this everywhere he says to leave a legacy of loving God You need to make sure your kids hear it, make sure your kids see it, and they're ingrained with it everywhere. Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Church in Atlanta, he said this, The greatest contribution you may have on the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. The greatest contribution you may have on the kingdom of God or or society for that matter, may not be something that you do, that you personally put your hands to and do, but someone that you raise. This is legacy. And I'd originally thought about giving you like a list of bullet points of the types of legacy that you should be leaving, but I, I realized that that list could be quite large, and that you would be leaving a legacy that involves what I think a legacy should be and not true to what you think it should be. But here's the major area as a believer, as a Christian parent, um, as someone who has Jesus in their heart and influence on others. It doesn't just have to be your, your kids. But here's the thing. You're, you're the primary spiritual caregiver of your child. Parents are the primary spiritual caregiver of their children. And, and I say that to let you know, I mean, don't expect the church to be the only place that your kids hear about Jesus. Because in honesty, they're here once a week for an hour, and sometimes twice a week if they come to youth group or small group or other things. It doesn't quite measure up to Moses' instructions, does it? To put it everywhere. If if that's the only place that your kids see and hear about Jesus, then you've missed the mark. I mean it has to be everywhere in every conversation and consuming our thoughts written on our hearts. And this is big for me because I was a youth pastor for nine years and And uh, this was a pet peeve because I would have parents that would show up, drop their kids off to youth group for an hour and expect me to fix every single thing wrong with them. Because I was the youth youth pastor. That was my job, right? I mean, drop them off to me, I'm going to fix them. That's, I mean, I can't undo all the issues that kids do if I see them in two hours a week. And parents have been long shirking their responsibility to raise their kids to love God with everything that they have. It's your job. It's your job. And my guess is the problem didn't start with this generation. There's a poll done by Lifeway Research that showed that 70% of teens will leave the church once they graduate from high school. 70%. I dug a little bit deeper, and it appears that for some, in many cases, it's just a hiatus. That they're just taking a break from church to explore the world, to sow some wild oats, whatever the case Maybe that eventually they come back perhaps when they become parents they realize the importance that church had on them but for me that's unacceptable whether they they, they go and come back or not we want them to be involved in the church it's an epidemic that carries into adulthood which is why for most people the statistic here is that if people come to church one time a month they consider themselves a regular attender that that's their church but they probably don't even know the pastor's name I've had this happen many a time when I minister to people on the streets, ask them what church they go to, and they'll tell me, and I know the pastor's name because I've networked, and, oh, what's the pastor's name? And they ah, well, it's Pastor, you know, so-and-so from Bedside Baptist, you know. Pastor Pillow. <laughs> or Bedside Baptist, because that's a joke. You can laugh. <laughs> Bedside Baptist, Church of the Holy Pillow. Okay. <laughs> Sum it up, man. Here, here's the thing. I mean, we think that coming to church 12 times a year makes us a, a regular church attender. And, and, and I know, I mean, you can love God and not come to church. That's not my argument here. What I'm trying to say is that we've come a long way from riding on the door frames, from binding it around our hands to put it on our forehead. We've come a long way from that if we think that regular church attendance is one time a month. Here's a simple fix here. I don't want to just beat you down. <laughs> I want to nurse you back to health here, guys, because I'm preaching to myself here as well. The parents that want to leave a legacy of faith for our kids, we have to make faith a priority in our houses. That's a simple truth. We have to make faith a priority in our homes. Proverbs 22.6 says it this way, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Perhaps that's why those kids that leave the church at 17, 18 years old come back because they've started off on the path, and for you, let me encourage you here, if you have a kid that's off the path, and and you've raised your kid in the way that they should go, hold on to the promise, pray through the promise of God here, because this is a promise, you start them off with the way that they should go, they're not going to turn from it, they may take a break, they may take a hiatus, they may sow some wild oats, but they'll come back, and if they're not back yet, continue to pray for them. Now here's the thing when it comes to the legacy of faith. I want you to understand this, that lessons are caught more than they are taught. Lessons are caught more than they were taught. You may have heard this phrase, do what I say, not what I do. That comes from a lot of coaches that are too old to play the game again, right? Uh, do what I say, not what I do. But here's the thing when it, when it comes to that. If your words don't match your actions, then your children can't hear what you're saying because your actions drown out your words. better phrase here is monkey see, monkey do. (laughs) There's a good saying right there. Your kids will do what they see you doing. From an early age, they want to step into your shoes. Quite literally, you've seen the two and three-year-old trying to walk around a mom's high heels, right? They want to be in your shoes. They do what you do. Now, when I go to bed, I don't want to be too graphic for you, but I don't sleep with a shirt on, and so my kids have started not wearing pajamas to bed. They do what they see me doing. Now, while some kids will repeat everything they hear, internally, they're really watching your actions more than they're listening to your words. So the simple truth here for this is that you need to model a life well-lived. Model a life well-lived. Your kids need to see you doing the right thing. When no one's watching. Your, your kids t- need to know that you have integrity. They need to see you using your faith to overcome obstacles. They need to see you persevere when things get tough. They need to see you worship God in the middle of trying circumstances. When you're so mad at God that you can't hardly stand it. They need to see you worship they need to see you read the Bible. And I'm not necessarily talking about just on your phone. And I do that. I love the plans that, that YouVersion has. Uh, I've been on it. I love the little streak thing that happens. I hit my 100th day streak today, and it was like a big party on my cell phone. It was so cool. But when your kids see you reading on your cell phone, they're going to think you're playing games on your phone, right? They're going to think you're engaged in that. So pick up a, a copy of God's Word and read it. Tell them what you're doing. They need to see you show compassion for people and not just at church. They need to see you praying for people. They need to see you give generously to those in need. They need to see you serve. It's caught more than taught. We need to model what it looks like to live a life of faith. Now for me as a pastor, this is kind of scary because my house is basically the only place that I can let loose. And and no one's watching me. I feel like I'm not in a fishbowl. At home. And so, my kids, they hear me swear. They hear me yell. They see me play too many video games or binge watch Netflix. They also see me reading. They see me working. They see me worshiping in my living room. They see me praying for them. They, they hear and, and watch me model for them how to pray for the sick. And, and, and they see me struggle as well. And that's important for them to see that. Even though you don't have it all together, you're trying your best. You're doing your best for them. And they need to see what it takes to overcome adversity, to do battle with the devil. In October of last year, I read this book, uh, Wonder, by RJ uh, Palacio. I think that's how you say your last name. Uh, I picked it up in a because I was subbing in a fifth-grade classroom and they were reading the audio book, and I thought, man, this book sounds really interesting. It's it's intriguing, it's thoughtful. And, uh, and I picked it up from the library. I read it in about two days, and shortly after the movie came out, and I thought, why did I read that book when I could just watch the movie? <laughs> I'm joking. That's a joke. <laughs> right? You guys aren't with me. Come on, follow along. Um, high school kid joke right there. Okay. So uh, the, the book is, is basically about a boy who has severe deformities that are caused by a condition that he has, and, and it's, it's centered around the way that he's treated when he starts junior high. And... Uh, he has his homeroom teacher, Mr. Brown, and every day on the board, Mr. Brown will write what's called a precept. It's a saying or a phrase that holds some moral code or, or a value. For instance, fortune favors the bold is one of Mr. Brown's precepts. Another one, when given the choice between being right and being kind, choose kind. And one line that's mentioned in the film is, is one that you already have seen today in the Dr. Seuss video, why fit in when you were born to stand out? See, the boy Augie Pullman has one desire in the beginning of middle school. His desire is to blend in, to go along, to get along. He, he wants to be invisible. He wears this astronaut helmet so no one can see his face and, and what he looks like because he's tired of the staring. He's tired of getting made fun of, of being laughed at, and he'd rather just disappear. But through the lessons of his teacher and his His classmates, a a few close friends, a popular saying by Dr. Seuss, he understands that really he was born to stand out. And really, it's a lesson for all of us, we're all born to stand out, aren't we? I mean, isn't that the point of legacy, to stand out, to be different, to share something rare with the world? My son Jace, he was seven years old when he watched it, and he came home and uh And he just kept saying, that was epic! That was epic! (laughs) That was the first thing he did when he came in. And I think he he caught this lesson fairly quickly. He knew knew that choosing kind was important, and he he knew that standing out is something that we're meant for. He caught it. There's a lady by the name of Wilma Rudolph. She was uh, an Olympic champion in uh, 1960. At At one point, she was the fastest woman in the world. And she said this. Never underestimate the power of dreams and the influence of the human spirit. We are all the same in this notion. The potential for greatness lives within each of us. The potential for greatness lives within each of you. Now, for me, I, and I don't want to be just great at something the world holds in high esteem, technology, or, or wealth, or riches. But I want to see greatness for the kingdom. I want to I stand out like perhaps the late, great Billy Graham. and I can't judge the type of legacy that you'll leave, but you need to know that you will leave one. Now over the number of funerals that I've done over the past four years, I'll never forget the shortest one that I ever did. It lasted about 15 minutes, and I met with the lady whose mom had passed away, and she had nothing good to say about her mom. She had been estranged from her ailing mom, and about five people showed up to the service And no one had anything to say about the lady. It lasted about 15 minutes. She didn't want a slideshow. She didn't want to see pictures of her. She didn't want to have any music to memorialize her. It was short and it was sad. See, your legacy will be left behind whether you know it or not. Someone someday will remember. And as Maya Angelou put it, they may not remember what you said. They may not remember what you did but they will remember how you made them feel. So remember, to live a life that lasts, you must look through the lens of legacy. Proverbs 22, we'll continue to reading, just a few more verses here. Are you learning something today? Good, I'm gonna keep going then, all right? Okay. (laughs) Promise I'll have you out by lunchtime. Proverbs 22, verse 17, I've just got a few more minutes. Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord I teach you today. Even you have I not written 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and speak the truth so that you may bring back truthful reports to those you serve. It's important to receive those lessons of legacy, to listen to Wisdom to give good advice when you are asked for it. To pay attention to the sayings that will lead us to shift our lives and on the right path. You'll notice that the Book of Proverbs has 31 chapters filled with wise sayings and precepts. And in most months there are 31 days, and I don't think that's coincidence. I think the Lord did it that way. So if you if you read a proverb a day, proverb a day, wisdom will be your guide, and you'll see the effects of putting the things of God at the forefront of your life and in turn your children and the people that you have influence over will see those effects. So let me encourage you, make that a habit. Set a reminder on your phone to read one of the Proverbs. Pick one to memorize. Underline the ones that don't make sense. Email Pastor Will, he's got all the answers to those. (laughs) Those precepts or sayings that have the capacity to shape your life, you need to write them on your hearts. Let me wrap up with this. Uh, a, a couple of months ago, I listened to an audio book, and then I actually bought the hard copy of the book. It's called The Five Secrets You Must Discover uh, Before You Die by John uh, Izzo. And uh, he was a Presbyterian minister, and, and the, the premise of the book is he, he took several years, and he interviewed over 263 people of various ages, 60, 70, 80, 90, many that were uh, nearing the end of their lives. And there were these five threads that seemed to have been Woven throughout each of those conversations and and there's people's thoughts and I believe them to be appropriate in regards to legacy And and so you may want to write these down or, or just the title of the book. You can google the secrets they're, they're not really secrets if you can google them, but You get the picture <laughs> number one Be true to yourself Be true to yourself be you don't try to be anybody else don't look through the lens of comparison be yourself Because remember those who mind don't matter those who matter don't mind Number two, leave no regrets. Leave no regrets. That's a good one, right? Leave no regrets. So what are you going to do? Are you going to take risks? Are you going to do everything that you'd like to do? Are you going to say what you'd like to say? For goodness sake, eat the ice cream. Have some cake, you know, like live a little, right? Take the vacation. Spend more time with your family. I mean, you get the idea. Leave no regrets. Don't be on your deathbed, wishing you had done something that you didn't do. Number three, become love. I mean, isn't this similar to the great commandment, love God and love your neighbor, that we can be more loving? It's said that that we are most unkind to the people that are closest to us, that we say 14 negative or critical comments for every single one to our family and, and our dearest friends. We can be more loving. We can become love. Number four, live in the moment. Live in the moment. Don't take any moment for granted. Don't miss seeing your your kids play sports. Don't miss those bedtime stories when you just want to watch one more show on Netflix. I'm preaching to myself here. Don't miss something because you're buried into your cell phone. Look up. See the world around you. Live in the moment. And number five, give more than you take. See, most people in the stage in life, they, they talked about generosity and serving others and, and, and passing something along rather than hoarding and taking things for themselves. So living a life that lasts will require you to look through the lens of legacy. And my hope for you today is that you'll make a quality, quality decision to make leaving a legacy of faith your own. So what will your plan be? Because those who fail to plan, plan to fail. So what will your plan be? Will you read a chapter of Proverbs each day with your kids or by yourself? Maybe you'll put more family nights on the calendar. Maybe you need to prioritize your conversations at home. It's never too late to begin reshaping the legacy that you'll leave. Maybe you've heard it today and maybe you've reached a turning point. And maybe for you, you're riddled with regret and you're thinking of those would have, should have, could have. Let me share a, an old Chinese proverb with you. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, the second best time is today. By planting a new tree today, the legacy of your life will change. You can do it. So ask yourself these questions. If you were to write your own eulogy, What would you want it to say? Will you have discovered these secrets? Will you have left something behind that matters? Will your life have counted for the kingdom? Will you have been too worried about what people think to live your calling? So let me tell you this, that whatever legacy you set to leave, you can do it. Make today the day you choose to live life on purpose. Paul wrote these great words that you can hold on to in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. Everybody say this together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Our band's going to continue to join us here. It, it, these weren't meant to be words of self-empowerment or or turning Paul into some type of Superman. It was really he was saying that Christ's spirit in me empowers me to endure the difficulties, the challenges of my calling. He, he was strengthened to achieve exactly what God had ordained him to achieve. And most importantly, he was able to go through what he went through with great joy and assurance that God would finish what he started. So you can be sure that as you set out to leave a legacy, that the Holy Spirit will empower you supernaturally to do whatever God asked you to do. He never planned for you to do it alone. You have someone that has your back in this journey. So let me close. In Seuss style verse And before I give you my my Seuss verse uh, When you leave today You're going to get a sticker That's going to remind you Put it on the door frame of your house Put it on your car Whenever you see this little Seuss sticker Think about leaving a legacy This one says way to go And uh, I'm going to put it on myself here Because when I feel like I'm doing a bad job as a parent I need some encouragement I need someone to say way to go You're doing a good job You may have missed it here and there But you're doing a good job And let me tell you that You're doing a good job Here's my Seuss style verse for you. There's nothing truer than true. When you feel the weight bearing down on you, the heavy lifting, he will do. The heavy trusting is up to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that teaches us about leaving a legacy that lasts. And what we are to pass on to our kids and the next generation is is not something about gaining wealth or how to be the best version of who we are, but how to be exactly who you've created us to be. And that that legacy can carry us on throughout our lives. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us to don the glasses that carry the lens of legacy. That as we take a look at our lives, as we evaluate what we're saying, what we're doing, uh, our actions, that we would look through that lens and, and, and see, see that what we're doing matters. What we're doing for our kids, our coworkers, our family, our friends, the legacy of faith. Help it to be on our lips, on our hearts, on our minds, and in our very hearts. And Father, we know that you'll help us through this. We're counting on you, and we know that you're counting on us. So we give this time to you. Thank you for letting it set root in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.